Well, we're back once Nate's again. Back. I'm back <laughs> once again with Rhythms of Grace. It's good to be back. Uh, I had a crazy couple of weeks uh, with some health issues with my family, but I I hear that some other people stepped in and asked you the hard questions that you need to be asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did you have on? So we had Dave Collins. We talked okay. about racism. Yeah. At least from a white male perspective. Okay. And we also had Bart Bartlett. Mm. And well, and I'll say I took over the role of playing, you know, turning on the recording and buttons and all that. We recorded and 20 minutes into our conversation, which was great. I realized I like the, cause the, the, the light was green, which I thought, Oh, oh it's recording. I, that is confusing. Oh, and I said, Bart, I haven't recorded any of this. <laughs> and then he had to go in like 20 minutes or so like, oh, oh man, shoot. can we do this again? And then Christine was a third guest and all three guests. Um, I, I was playing with the, all, all the other buttons, you know, the clap and, yeah. and the laugh. And like, I like, I, I, I think with Christine's, I start talking, I, I press the record and I was like, what, why isn't the music playing and so there's this pause of like no music and i'm like is the music playing and then i'm like oh I, I gotta. <laughs> there's another button yeah there's another button yeah. and so yeah trying to think and talk and press buttons i guess i'm not that talented <laughs> push buttons and talk at the same time <laughs> yeah well i will say again it's good to be back um yeah our life is returning to normal so i'm excited to step back into the seat and uh yeah, what do we got going on today, Sung? Well, now we're going to do some heavy lifting this okay. episode and next. Um, and we've actually gotten some really great questions, which we might try to do a, like a final episode and a, almost like a, a grab bag of different questions. Okay. Um, uh, some based on things we've already discussed, other things that are just kind of random. And um, so, uh, yeah, I appreciate the, the questions, the emails, the texts. Um, and uh, so here's the question that we want to consider today that um, I think is a difficulty for many people. Mm. Like in Genesis chapter 2, uh, tw- 22, um, if you know the story, God asks Abraham, the f- father of the faith, to sacrifice his son Isaac. He says, go to this place, take your son and literally, Abraham lays Isaac on the altar and is about to raise a knife to thrust into his son. Man. And then and God stops him and provides a, a ram for the sacrifice. And, and, and the entire time, you know, Isaac's like, Father, where's the ram for the sacrifice? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we're, we're going... Uh, we're going to make a sacrifice, but and and Abraham just said the Lord Lord will provide. But but just it paints God in a picture of like how could God ask a guy like Abraham to like sacrifice, yeah. kill yeah. his son? Uh, can you remind me what passage we're in? Genesis twenty two. Genesis twenty two. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and I know that you're in the same boat. But one of my first things that I think about is as a father, like. I don't, that's a deal breaker. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I could ever, ever consider right. doing that. Right. And, um, and Abram, that was Abraham. He was childless. Yeah. And so with his wife, Sarai. And, and so, uh, that's, there's that story too. And if you're childless and you're, you know, up there in age, you, you have this devotion and affection for this miracle child mm-hmm. right let alone like yeah, yeah like you were saying any average parent would be like what 
like what kind of crazy God is that? Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's that that's part of the, the the rub. Sure. Or if someone came to you as a pastor and was like, "Hey, I feel like God is telling <laughs> me to sacrifice my child on an altar." I mean, you would say, "Yeah, you know what? That's not God. Yeah. God is not that right? is not the voice there." Yeah. So it's a tricky story it, for it a multitude of reasons. How do yeah. how do we get into it? So I will say this for this this week's and next week's. Um, you will not get a clear answer that will resolve this question. You know, I had to do some digging and wrestling and, and different opinions on things. And so I'm going to present some things. And, and, and I think there's one that helps me not resolve it totally, but helps me a, a bit. Okay. Take, take, take a step forward, you know, and I've been both excited and trembling over this week and next week because yeah. it's like, ah, you know, I mean, as a pastor, it's like, yeah, I know there are, there are those disturbing parts. And I know what I, at least I feel like I can and can't do in order to be faithful to Scripture, mm. right? I can't just say, well, it's a fairy tale. Right. Or I can't just say, well, well, God is an evil monster. Right. Um, so that that's a tension we live in. So um, just some thoughts here. Um, one, I, I, I would say... Um, um, like Abraham had some, this wasn't Abraham's first experience or encounter with God asking him to do something like unexplainable. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there was a story in Genesis 18, uh, where God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and, and a- Abraham intercedes with God and says, well, will not the judge of all the earth do Right. Like, how could you do that? And uh, b- basically, long story short, right? A- Abraham, one of, he he also tells Abraham, leave your country and go to a land I'll show yeah. you. It, yeah. It's not like, hey, we're, it's, it's not like, hey, we're moving from Michigan and we're moving to Texas. God is like, hey, pack your bags. And Abraham's like, well, where do you want me to go? Well, I'll show you. Yeah. So there is this life of faith in Abraham and uh, obedience that is just so challenging mm. for any of us. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. It is helpful to remember that in the context of Abraham's life, it's not like, this is like the deep end of the faith pool, <laughs> right? Is. Like this is, and he didn't start there. Like no, there were a yeah. number of steps of faith and obedience that God called him to before we sort of get to this one, yeah. which is helpful to remember. It, it is. So, it, like, he has a track record of these unexpected commands from God and, and him just believing God and knowing that he's good and trustworthy. Mm. So, uh, again, that's that's like a clue. It's, it's, it's not an answer. I, I think the other thing, too, is especially when you read the scriptures, you because of his intimate relationship with God, um, you like that Abraham didn't actually think that Isaac would die. Mm. So um, when, when, for example, in Genesis 22, verse 5, when they reach the mountain, Abraham tells a servant, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there. And, uh, oops, somebody just texted me and covered up oh, the passage. And, and, and come again to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so Abraham saying, yeah, like, me and the boy are going to go, and we'll both be back. And then uh, when Isaac asks him a question, he says in verse 8, God himself will provide the lamb. And so it seems like Abraham is preparing himself to do what God has asked 
at the same time expecting something else to happen, which it's so hard to wrap your mind around, but that's where his faith was. That is really, yeah, because in some ways, none of his actions seem to, um, yeah, indicate that he really thought that Isaac was going to be yeah. sacrificed. That's real. I've never, I've never read it that way before. I've never read it that way before. Well, and then another clue we get is from Hebrews chapter 11, where the book of Hebrews is talking about Abraham among other people of faith. And it says he considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead. So instead of a, a resurrection, Abraham was spared the sacrifice. And so uh, uh, again, that, that's like, oh, okay. Uh, does that solve it? No. And, and there's a, another clue, I, I think, which for me was the most um, compelling, if I could say it that way. But, but again, it's like, oh, man, that, that's, that's a level of faith yeah. that I can't even imagine. I mean, I think, I don't know if we've talked about it in, on this podcast, but I know that you and I have talked about it, that in many ways the call to, um, in fact, this was one of the first sermons that you ever preached when I first came to Grace, like uh, years and years and years ago. And it was one of the reasons that our family was so interested. You stood up in front of a group of, I mean, the people in Ann Arbor, they're like, you know, they're, they're doctors or they're getting their degrees or, you know, whatever. And you stood up there in front of hundreds of young people and said, God doesn't care what you do with your life, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, and this was to a room full of people who are trying to do something with their life specifically. <laughs> but your point was God cares about who you are yeah. becoming yeah. and that God's calls to obedience are less often about something that he needs us to do mm-hmm. and more about um, us stepping into circumstances where we can become the type of people that he wants us to be. Yeah. And under that framework, you can look at this story and, and say, and again, we're stretching here. Like uh, this is, <laughs> yeah. these, these are like, uh, these are, possible explanations but you could look at it and say if abraham understood that if he understood that that most of his obedience was about becoming who god was Mm -hmm. calling him to be then there isn't so much um sort of fear and trepidation about the actual action itself like there's just a different sort of context so that's a possibility it is also maybe a helpful lesson to take from this which is that abraham's faith was in who God was and in who God was calling him to be, not necessarily about making the right call or the wrong call or doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. He kind of, I mean, I I think you and I have probably both been in spots where somebody feels like, and maybe they really have heard from God what they should do next. And then everyone around them sort of sees that circumstances have changed and it's time for them to enter into a new phase or do something different, but they're kind of stuck on this, God told me to do this, so I'm going to do it until, and everybody's like, man, it's, t- it's like time to move on from that, right. you know? And they do that in a way that they're really being a jerk. Yeah. Which defeats the whole purpose mm-hmm. of God telling yeah. them to do something. Yeah. It's not about, the, it might not be the, about the actual act. Yeah. So that's a possible interpretation of this. So here's the one that was most interesting that um, given as a pastor and and you uh, both of us as students of the Bible and uh, and even decades studying the scripture, you're you still feel like, oh, there's so much I don't know. Mm 
Um, this one, given the genre and the narrative and the redemptive story of the scriptures, this was really interesting. So, like, the story of Abraham Isaac really takes on a larger significance when you place it in the context of that there is some sort of prophetic reenactment going on here. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so throughout the Bible, God asks prophets to reenact, like almost like a miniature plot, a subplot of the larger story that he's writing. So you think of like Hosea. Yeah. He says, Hosea, marry a prostitute. Even that you might think like morally, like what in the world is God doing? Right. Marry a prostitute? But he was creating an allegory for his relationship with the people of Israel. Yes. Yeah. And so it symbolizes uh, the idolatry yeah. and the adultery. Yeah, the unfaithfulness. So it was yeah. a very strong... Ma- and so even that, like, oh, yeah, that is right. So when you read Genesis 22, you, you think like, okay, how could God have required Abraham to do this? But when you th- uh, view it through the lens of a f- prophetic reenactment, it, we you start to ask, what did God intend to, to communicate to his people through this story? Mm. And so... Um, I, I know I've preached on this, the parallels and things, but, but it's something to consider, right? Like that the entire, well, so even Jesus says all of the, the, the Hebrew scriptures points to him. And maybe this is, uh, and while that's true of the entire Old Testament, maybe in certain places it shines brighter and maybe Genesis 22 is one of those. So for example, um, uh, both, I, uh, well, the the, uh, the I'll start off with this: the, the 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 hill that they climb for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac thousands of years later is the very hill that Jesus it climbs mm. uh, and is sacrificed on on a hill at that time called Golgotha. Mm. So uh, I'll start there at the end, but you you see the prophetic reenactment. Yeah. A- and then and, and then when you start to like Isaac carries the wood um that would be the instrument of his death mm-hmm. uh, on his back toward uh, Mount Moriah. Yeah. But Jesus does too with the cross. Yeah. Um Isaac is the this beloved son of Abraham and what is Jesus, you yeah. know? That he's the beloved son of God, and in both cases, it's the father leading the son and the son following obediently towards their own death, and then God providing the sacrifice, which Abraham says will be a ram, and for Jesus, well, it, he's the innocent son who who gives himself up for us. Now, like that, you know, like that. That again, that doesn't answer the question, right? But it helps me go like, oh, because I know, like, like I, I mentioned, like uh, the story of Hosea, I know that happens over and over and over mm-hmm. again in Scripture. And so maybe it's more like, okay, uh, not that, not that it, it answers all my hangups about this, but it, I feel like when I understand that, oh, okay, I'm understanding a bit more about the heart of God. Right, right. So that's that. So the whole idea of a prophetic reenactment was fascinating. Yeah, and I I like the number of ways that you sort of said it can be read this way. I mean, I think sometimes we can get stuck reading this very very literally, and our question then is, how could God ever ask someone to to sacrifice their child? Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the reading, sometimes it feels like that's the wrong question. Mm-hmm. Like God, it's more like, what is God doing in this story? Um, 
And there are a lot of different ways to look at that. Yeah. And somebody might ask, well, why death at all? Right. Why? Why? I mean, because in, in the Hebrew times, you sacrificed animals. Yeah. Right. And, and so and I think just to remember, too, like God, God, um, God didn't. Uh, it was humanity that brought death into the world. Mm. Um, and that is not. Uh, and, and at the same time. Uh, I'll just quickly go this route, but like, yeah, I mean, there the the whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament was a point to the ultimate sacrifice yeah. of Jesus, yeah. and so yeah, does um, like do, does that answer everything? It, it, it doesn't. No. Um, but I I do know, man, it makes me feel. It makes my faith, my life of faith, which some some days I feel like, man, I'm. I'm pretty strong in my mm. faith, you know, <laughs> makes my faith feel so small. Yeah. And like, I just try to imagine that kind of radical faith because I know that God is that good that his intent, like, Oh goodness, that, that, that really humbles me. Yeah. Yeah. So can I get, can I get really personal for a couple minutes? <laughs> yeah. Um, because, uh, we, and I, I, we, we were going back and forth before this podcast started like, Hey, are you going to share about what happened the last couple of weeks or are you not? And I was like, Oh, I'll just kind of mention it. But this story brings to light oh, yeah. something that for me has been <laughs> profound and very, very personal, uh, which is that my oldest son, um, who has had sort of a longstanding, uh, condition an autoimmune disease was on death's door multiple times over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I, again, it's his, it's some of it is his story to tell, but, but he was bleeding internally um, in from his esophagus and his stomach lining. And he was vomiting blood faster than they could give him replacement blood. Like literally he had a pump, a tube that was pumping blood out of his stomach and they were, he had three IVs put, giving him blood and then they were just wow. pumping the blood out. So, you know, like, here, when I read this story, I, I what I'm what I'm struck with is, um, you know, because the way that the story ends is God says, like now I, you know, He says, basically, like you were willing to sacrifice, um, you know, the child that you loved, mm. and there's if you ask the question, like I brought up, like who is God asking Abraham to become? Mm. Uh, it's He's asking him to become someone who is willing to give up everything. Yeah. Um, the other thing that strikes me about this, the, the lesson that I think is in this, at least for me, is that, you know, Isaac's, and this is, uh, again, personal, Isaac's life was never in Abraham's hands. Mm. I think as parents, we like to think right. that protecting our children or, you know, um, or our children's life and happiness is in our hands. I have over the the last uh, five or six years since my son was diagnosed multiple times come to the the painful conclusion that there is nothing I can do to preserve my children's lives um, in certain events as much as I would like to. It's not, it's not their, their life and happiness is not in my hands. It never was. I wish that it was. I like to believe that it was, but in reality it isn't. Whether it's a, whether it's a medical condition or whether it's a car accident or whether it's mental health struggles or those things are, are out of our control as parents. And in some ways I see God reminding Abraham of what is already true, Yeah, which is that, look, 
as much as you love this child, he's not in your hands to protect and to save. And I'm saying that sort of on an extreme end. Obviously, their good parenting says you do lots of things to protect your kids, (laughs) right? right? Lots. But you reach a point where things are no longer in your control. And, I mean, my hope for every parent listening is that they never reach that line. (laughs) They never find the place where they realize that their child's life is... Um, is fully and solely in God's hands. Uh, my wife and I came to that point multiple times over the past couple weeks. And um, I think I texted you this, but you know when the doctors cry after a success- successful surgery, yeah. um, you know that not only uh, that it was close, yeah. that it was really close. And um, so, you know, I kind of look at that and I can't read this story without remembering that that i i have to give up the things that are most precious to me which are my children yeah um into god's hands because i mean the irony is that they were always were they always were but me becoming the type of person that can acknowledge that and sort of um give up my sense of control brings me closer to being the type of person and parent i yeah. think yeah. that god actually wants me to be who gives me chills, man? Yeah. Gives me chills. And, and you know, when you said, um, I, I just thought of Abraham. The reason why God wanted him to be that kind of person was he knew that he would be the father of the faith. Yeah. And in fact, father of three world, major world religions, mm-hmm. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And you need a, a person fully surrendered. Yeah. And, and, and the second thought that came to mind is like, Oh please, God! I don't want to be that important in your kingdom. <laughs> Legit, I mean, that legitimately, you know. And that's the hard thing, right? Yeah. Like, I even think about this as for my children. Like, that I want my children to be full of character. I want them yeah. to be full of faith. What does that mean? It means hardship. Like yeah. that. Me, that's what I'm actually asking yeah. for them. If that's if that's what I want, there isn't there isn't a shortcut. There isn't a shortcut to grit and perseverance and faith. Yeah. And so. Um, it's in some ways you can see this story as formational for Isaac as well, who became again, he's in the lineage of the fathers of the faith where from, from earliest memory, he's watching his father, uh, kind of, and kind of putting himself, his own life sort of on the altar. At some point he had to realize like, Oh, I'm the sacrifice Right, his dad tied him up. Um, and so you just have to see that as a part of the story as well yeah yeah this past this week i somebody was praying and uh, i heard them say uh, lord strip everything that is not of me and i remember thinking oh <laughs> you do not know what you are so, praying for yeah. i mean i used to pray that as a youngster but now i'm like i, I i'm like be careful I, be careful <laughs> when you pray that because yeah. it what does it mean for god to strip you of everything of yeah. you so that he could shine it's suffering yeah it's pain yeah. and how many of us actually run towards that and you know or not run towards it but actually embrace it or yeah. accept it through god's sovereign hand yeah yeah i mean my my wife and i um had moments while we were praying for gabe um when he was in surgery for the second time where we literally didn't have words yeah i mean we were just 
groaning and crying in our heart. I mean, I know that in my heart, I was just crying out to God, like, please, like, yeah. please preserve my son's life. Yeah. But I didn't, e- I could, I didn't even have the words to say that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like that's, that is where faith begins. Uh, I mean, I, since we're talking about it, I just want to say, <laughs> because this was the other profound thing that happened is that we saw in the same way, maybe not exactly in the same way, but in the same way that we saw God provide for Abraham in this story at the end, that he does provide a ram and provides a sacrifice. Um, our, our weeks in the hospital ER ICU uh, were, were full of examples of God providing for us. And, you know, the thing that I want most is for my son to not be sick anymore. But if I look, probably in the same way that Abraham wanted Isaac not to have to be sacrificed. But if you take your eyes off of that one thing and begin to look around for the hand of the Lord, it was everywhere. I mean, like, we... Uh, someone who's a member of Grace was actually in the ER room that Gabe was in um, the, the second time that he went to the hospital. I didn't even know she worked at U of M. She didn't know us necessarily, but um, I saw her and I was like, hey, I, this is out of the blue. Do you go to Grace? Hmm. She's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, hey, we're the Kimballs. This is Gabe Kimball. And what she said was, oh my gosh, we've been praying for your son in my community group. <laughs> and then she literally is one of, she's there like taking care of him. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't sort of, pass that off as like, ah, oh, crazy, small world, <laughs> right, you know, you right. just can't. Um, and that happened multiple times. Yeah. One of the nurses that came by when Gabe was finally moved to a normal room, uh, also a friend of ours and a member of Grace, we didn't know that he was in the hospital, We didn't, but he just came in and was immediately like, here's my number, I deal with this stuff all the time, ask me any questions you have. You know, um, uh, uh, somebody in my parents' community group who is a doctor came to the hospital multiple times. Just th- if you looked, if you look for those things, they were everywhere. Yeah. And I think that that is, that increased my faith, yeah. you know, like even as, even in our darkest moments, the, the understanding that God had not abandoned us and that we were not alone in the midst of that struggle, I come out with more faith than I did before. That's just the honest truth. And it sucked. And I'm telling you, it was the worst weeks of my life. Not an exaggeration. Yeah. But I come out of that and I have story after story. after. I've only told a third of them. <laughs> story after story after story of God's faithfulness. Um, but you sort of have to be in those situations to like right. really experience that. Um, it's a hard thing. Yeah, I mean, that... that epitomizes the Abraham story where Abraham says God himself will provide. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, and we felt that, I mean, and again, it was a dark, but, I, but again, you and the other pastors at grace, you like, we were never out of contact. You guys were always like praying, you know, there's just, there, those types of things, um, those types of things are a provision that you, don't know you need until until it's there, right? That I was like, oh, I can text these guys at three in the morning. It doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. They won't care. I could call any of them. Like none of them will care. Um, and that just is, that's just an example of the way that God takes care of us, really. Yeah. That was my experience. Yeah. You know, and even on our end too, I, I mean, anytime a- Amy and I would talk about it, literally Amy could not, not cry talking yeah. about it. 
And, yeah. and she's like, he's not even our son, <laughs> you know, but just, I mean, just the closeness of relationship and everything. She, she, she felt like it was, yeah. you know, and, and you know, every once in a while in life, you, you have that experience, whether the doc, <coughs> excuse me, the doctor tells you, Oh, you have cancer or, or something where you just feel your knees buckling. Yeah. And none of us want that, yeah. but perhaps, perhaps <laughs> that's God's mercy. There's a, it's so hard to say, and I'm, and I'm afraid to, it's a gift. Like there, it's the, it, there is a gift that is found in profound suffering that is only found there. And I hate it and I never want to go through it again. But at the same time, it isn't, if for me, it's indisputable that I look at it and I say, there are things that I would not there are gifts that I would not be receiving except that are that things were so close. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I, I wish it didn't work that way. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Legitimately. I wish it didn't. I wish there wasn't like the call to, to see your children like lying on the altar to see God's hand move. I wish that that was not the case, but I'm just saying from my own personal experience over the past three weeks that, that that it is the way, I don't know why it works that way, but it does. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really glad that you, you decide to eventually share that story. I mean, it did kind of. I mean, yeah. We didn't even plan that. I right as we were going, I'm like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, you know. And I, I want to, I want to protect my son's privacy. He doesn't. He told me that. <laughs> he told me that when he meets somebody, he doesn't bring up his liver disease until the third conversation because he wants to be known as Gabe. This Gabe that, not just liver disease Gabe. So he says he waits like three conversations uh, so before he springs funny. it. So I want to protect his privacy, but I'm but legitimately, I feel like in some ways, you know, we walked through this and yeah. uh, and God was faithful, thankfully. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us again. Whew, d- uh, that's a deep topic here about Abraham and then going into the Kimball story. Join us next week when we talk about uh, why did God command the invasion uh, and the genocide of the Canaanites? Another like oh, lighthearted. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks again. We will, uh, we will hopefully see you then.